Welcome to the Kingdom ROI, Return on Intention Show. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavit, the Kingdom ROI Strategist. Families and businesses hire me to create, grow, and protect generational wealth by discovering that what they do in their family's living room matters more than what they do in their boardroom or advisor's conference room. On this show, I'm here to tell the stories of families and business owners who recognize that they didn't have a growth problem, they had a relationship and priority problem. We'll hear stories and the journey these families who recognize that business and financial growth weren't what mattered. They know that their relationships and priorities is what's going to determine their outcomes. So stick around to hear the hardships they've faced, the lessons they've learned, and the wisdom they wish they would have known along the way. Each story captures the blessings and the struggles of pursuing return on intention instead of return on investment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 40 minutes where we take the world's broken mindsets and systems and turn them upside down. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Return on Intention show. Today is another special day. I've got a couple of special guests here with me. You know, my passion is to advocate for families to grow and protect generational abundance for at least four generations by exposing widespread planning illusions and minimizing the destruction of wealth during your lifetime and beyond. And our guests today have lived a life with an understanding that to truly achieve abundance, it's not about the next business or financial strategy. It's truly about acknowledging that what we do in our living rooms matters more than what we do in any conference or boardroom. I'm so excited to diving more into the story of their journey. David and Dana Carosa, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, very excited. Hey, we've gotten a chance to know each other a little bit, but my audience does not know you. So why don't the two of you introduce yourself to our audience? Okay. Well, ladies first. <laughs> I'm Dana Carosa and my husband, David. We've been married now 44 years, huh? Yep. I countered every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and we have two children and five grandchildren that are oh, awesome. the best. Yeah. The best part of life. So we, we <laughs> met um, probably, well, actually over 50 years ago, we met mm -hmm. in, uh, we were going to Florida College in, out in uh, Temple Terrace, Florida, near Tampa. Mm -hmm. And we dated for a couple months and went our separate ways for seven years. And she tracked me down in San Francisco <laughs> and got a phone call out of the blue. And I mean, the magic dust was there. It was for me. Yeah. She says it was love at first sight. For me, it was love at second sight. But yeah, but uh, either way, you put one and two together and it's been a great it's been a great journey. Couldn't imagine doing spending life with anybody. But but my sweet Dana. <laughs> well, you know, we just really feel that it was God inspired to bring me from California, he was in Florida, and then all mm. of that to happen. And then just on a whim, I decided to go up to San Francisco and get, take a job. And I worked downtown San Francisco on Market Street and um, ran into a friend who went to college with us and said, hey, do you know there's a bunch of other kids and gave me David's number. And I, I did call him, but that was the old rotary phone days where he <laughs> had no no caller ID. Um, no caller ID. No, had no idea. Every call was an adventure. <laughs> so he said, who is this? And I said, it's someone who used to date. And he went on for 10 minutes guessing girls, I not being <laughs> Not so, you. Oh, no. It was an auspicious start for that. Then we went out on a date the next day, and then that was it. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. David, I'm sorry you did like 10 minutes. 
Anyway, that's not yeah. what that's not the topic of this show. I'm just like you did not. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a different. Call that's us a different back show. For another show. <laughs> hey, I know we're going to get to talk about kind of the whole journey, but before we do that, tell everybody what you guys are passionate about right now. Wow. Right now, we are passionate about passing on, whether you can say passing on the torch, passing on the mantle of leadership. Dana and I have been involved in uh, the work of adoption. And, mm. and actually, what we are is a, we're a funding organization. We, we work with you know, literally thousands of generous donors who remove the financial barrier for private adoption. And mm. uh, we are in the midst of next year, good Lord willing, we're going to pass on the baton to the next generation. So we, we will be bringing on a new executive director, uh, CFO, and then two ladies that will be filling the shoes, big shoes, that, mm. uh, that Dana fills for caring, working with agencies, families, birth mothers, you know, that kind of the whole, the whole meat of, of really what makes this work. So that's our passion right now is, is to go from founders to second generation. That's, that's, that's beautiful. What, as you've kind of been on this journey and I'd love to kind of hear from each of you, and then we're going to dive kind of into your story. But one of my favorite questions to kind of start out with is what do you consider is your superpower as you've navigated business and now you're navigating kind of this ministry and, and now kind of even passing the baton there? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's talking to people. Um, David mm. always says, how do you get people to leave in the middle of the night and fly halfway across the country to some unknown person to meet a social worker at an IHOP on the chance to help a child that morning before nine o'clock when the state was going to take the baby? So, wow. um, yeah, so it's uh, that is I, I talk to more people and they go, well, how do you do that? So maybe that is my superpower is talking. Um, my kids used to tease me and say, you know how. The Bible says, you know, some are the head, some are the hands, some are the feet. They say, Mama, you're the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need a mouth. That's very good. I love that. <laughs> I thought what Dana was going to say, because she says this, says this all the time, not, not to take away with anything she said, but number one superpower is it's all God. Oh, it is. And, mm. and so uh, it's not me. Yeah, there's. Um, we David's brilliant, but but together we're not this smart. So we know <laughs> God is in the middle of this. You know, we are not this yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah. I I think, you know, I really do think that part of part of maybe how we were equipped through some of the other phases of our life is, uh, you know, we're not we're not super smart people, but we work hard. Yeah. And I mm. and I think I think if anything, that's probably our superpower is we just. We've just grown accustomed to working a lot, you know? Yeah. And uh, I like what Paul says in Philippians. He says, for God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And that's, that's what we try to do. We just let God work in us. That oh, we just pause there. We I mean, we just in the show right there. That's beautiful. Um, <laughs> the um, let's talk a little bit about your journey to here though, if we could, especially, I know that you guys used to own a business. Um, yeah. And I found oftentimes this is, this is a really, really good place to start is sometimes so many people kind of glamorize the business journey, um, especially those who've exited, those who've had, to, had the opportunity to go on to a next season. But what I found to be true is it's oftentimes one or two really kind of rock bottom moments that really kind of capture where God showed up and where you learned a lot. And it really kind of transformed the rest of the story. So 
maybe we could start with that. If you've got a couple of those where you could just really kind of tell our audience about where sure. you were and what was going on and, and what God taught There's you. There's so those many moments. of those because, you know, <laughs> when we first started this, it was a harebrained idea I had because I just saw people who wanted to adopt, but they didn't have the 10 to 20 to $30,000 mm. to adopt. And now it's 40 to 60,000. Um, yeah. And I just said, we need to start a 501c3. That's just to help people. That's all we're going to do. And mm. uh, at that time, I said to David, can you imagine if in our lifetime, we could help one or two children? And that's when God slapped us in the face. <laughs> and now as of today, it's 472 children from 11 countries around the world. Wow. So, yeah, that that was my big slap in the face. And everything that's why i say it's all god because every time he opens the door and i think oh this is this going to be bad that's when god shows me no this is when i'm glorified is when it's really yeah. bad and i pull it out of the fire so now when they're really bad i go oh this can be fun to watch god work this could be mm. Mm. So when, when we met i was i was doing my uh, internship in california in the bay area what what they call now clinical lab scientist basically i'm a lab guy and um, so my, my background was medicine, Dana's background was business and marketing. And so we, we started a medical lab, uh, actually we started two, but where this all got sort of had its, its uh, origination was in about 1992, we owned a medical lab called The Lab. And mm. um, so one, one day, and this really was, I mean, this was the point where everything got started. And there was a young woman who walked into our lab to pick up a copy of her pregnancy test. And I was chatting with her, gave her the copy of the positive test. Dana mm -hmm. saw me talking with her. And as she was leaving, Dana came over and said, what, what was she asking you? And I said, well, she was, she had made an appointment with Planned Parenthood and she was, you know, she was planning to have an abortion. And oh. that was the moment when Dana thought about that passage in Proverbs that says, speaking for those who have no voice. Mm -hmm. And she knew, you know, obviously we can't intervene with what a person is going to do, but she got in touch with a local adoption agency called Lifetime Adoption. And they made some brochures for us that says adoption is an option. And we put those at all of our medical labs. And that started Dana on a journey to learn about adoption. She, hmm. she served on a board for an, this adoption agency, learned a lot. And um, so that was really the nidus where everything, the idea got into her head and Dana kind of said, here am I, send me. And, mm -hmm. and literally from that point on, I don't think there's been a day that Dana hasn't in some way been thinking about speaking for those who have no voice. You know, I just wow. looked at that girl and she... Um, Worked at Intel. She was very educated, 26 years old in her little suit with her hair back in a ponytail. And she walked away saying, well, my procedure's on Thursday. And her ponytail was swinging. And I thought, you're killing your child on Thursday. And that was 1992. And I've just always kept that in the back of my mind. What happened? What happened? Where would, mm. how old would that child be each year? Every spring, I think wow. of that child. Wow. So to your point about, you know, journeys in business. So we went through some valleys. I mean, we, we went through, God put us through the crucible. 
and <laughs> and we had to solve a, an incalculable number of problems. We had to reinvent ourselves. You know, everything that that you can imagine going good and bad with business. I mean, we kind of went through it. And in uh, in 2006, we were approached by LabCorp. They're they're now the largest lab, I think, in the world, certainly in in the U.S. And just kind of out of the blue, they they uh, worked with a broker and asked us if we were interested in, in selling the business. And by that point in time, we had kind of been through the valley and we were actually coming out and doing pretty well. But there was there was something about the what felt providential about that. And it was mm-hmm. almost like God was putting his finger in my chest and saying, hey, moron <laughs> you know now now is the time this is the helicopter you know yeah, get yeah. get on board so we we ended up selling the lab in 2006 turns out to be just one of the one of the best things we did the challenge for us i was 52 at the time and mm-hmm. all we had done is work you know so all of a sudden you know we're we're still in our early 50s we have more resources than we ever thought we had we were still young good health. And the challenge was, what are we going to do now? I mean, obviously we had been blessed beyond anything that we deserved. And the message I kept hearing in my head was God kind of saying, David, I've seen how hard you will work for yourself. And I, I blessed that. And now I'm going to see how hard you will work for me. And that really has been the driving force. I mean, we feel like Paul said, we feel like we're we're under obligation to to pay forward what God blessed yeah. us with. And that that's really our our driving force right now. We could never pay him back ever. Mm. Yeah. And this is just the most beautiful way we think for us to work. Plus, we don't idle well. <laughs> We, we're like, we got to be moving we, we, and it's got to be purposeful moving. We either go yeah. or we tip over. So <laughs> <we> just... <laughs> Let me ask you, can we go back to 19 kind of for this period of 1992 when this event happened, when this, you know, this woman comes into your um, lab, there's something going on there that I think that we need to, to, to explore a little bit more. You know, so many times a lot of business owners would say, you know, you've got to be careful. There's the sacred and there's the secular and you've right. got to kind of keep those things. And and we've really kind of been, you know, on the kingdom ROI show and a lot of other people really trying to kind of break down that myth that really is, there is an integration that God calls us to, yeah. but that in 1992, that was pretty radical thinking. Oh, it and was I would so love radical. to know, I'd love to know kind of what was going on, what maybe kind of opposition did you face? What, you know, what did you even learn to kind of be encouraged to keep going forward? Take us back to that moment and that experience of saying, no, we're going to express and live out our faith through our business as we go forward. Well, that's a good question because yeah, there are, there are parameters about what you, what you can do and say in the workplace. And, and we respect mm-hmm. those. And, and I think there's a good answer for Christians to think about how do they bring, what does it mean to bring your faith into the workplace? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's it's not a place where you're going to try to convert somebody to your religion. I mean, mm-hmm. but what I what, ha- what has really occurred to me that when we bring our faith into the workplace, what we really mean is we're bringing the kingdom and we're mm-hmm. bringing the characteristics of kingdom people into the workplace. There's no law against being a hard worker. 
There's no right. law against being an honest worker. There's no mm. law against being a worker that has integrity. There's no law about being compassionate and understanding with your coworkers. And so, you know, those are the aspects that I think we we have every right and, and almost just a responsibility to bring our faith into the workplace because what we're doing is we're bringing the kingdom, not our religion. We're yeah. bringing the characteristics of kingdom people into the workplace. So what that meant for how do we how do we take advantage of something our conscience tells us to do to speak for those who have no voice and still live within the parameters that we are, you know, kind of submitting to Caesar, so to speak. And so what we did is we had these brochures made up and it was a passive way that we would have those sitting in our waiting rooms. It says adoption is an option. And it told a little bit about what that looks like. It was the silhouette of their very pregnant girl looking out a window. Mm. Yeah. And so that told the story right there, like people gravitated to that. And, and I think, too, you know, that there's there's examples about being as, you know, as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I mean, when when we face some of the challenges that we had, you know, running a medical lab and competing against the, you know, the, the 800 pound gorillas, I, I can't even begin to tell you all the problems that we had to solve. And mm. all the all the things we had to figure out, how do we compete in the marketplace with, you know, people who are our competitors, people who are not treating us you know, fairly or, you know, whatever they can do to put us out of business. We had to solve those problems all the time. So mm. we tried to take those same that same figure it out mindset when you have challenges. Of how do I bring my faith into the workplace? It was the same kind of a challenge. I mean, you have to scratch your head and say, what can we do? We, we have yeah. some parameters we have to live within, but there's a way if we put our mind to it that we can figure out a way to do something. And the other thing we learned is not, not everything is going to be the be all end all, but it will take you one step further down that road, you know, yeah. and then things may grow from that. So the, the point is, Dana knew she needed to do something, and that something has led us to where we're where we're at today. But you know, when you look at our lab, we were very different because David was medicine, I was business and marketing, and it was '92. You never saw an ad about medicine, which you see all the time. I mean, they didn't even advertise drugs then, let alone right. a medical laboratory facility. So we did radio and TV commercials. We were in a, a strip malls next to Walmart. We were out there because when people needed lab work, they had to go home and fast. So they didn't have to be in the medical center. So we were very, very, very progressive. So people were looking at us with like, those people are crazy anyway. So why not add on, you know, throw God into the mix and let them go all the way with that. Uh, the marketing at that time were, was done by, um, girls in little tiny mini skirts with fishnet stockings to the doctors. Mm. Well, yeah, Dana didn't play that game. And I was much <laughs> younger then. But we lived in a uh, area called Apple Hill in Northern California. And all of the apple ranches had their own specialties that they baked. So I started out one year with one of our neighbors who made a blackberry, blackberry sour cream pie. You ever had that? Mm. 
so good. No, but it sounds fantastic. I know, and a raspberry cream cheese apple pie. So mm. I would order those the night before, get them fresh from the ranch that morning, go and deliver them, and I could get in to see a doctor who was like, no, no, no. Well, I've got a hot apple pie for him from Apple Hill. Oh, bring her on back. So they would sit there and we he'd be eating apple pie and I'd be telling him about the lab. So we were anti-everything, everything that they were doing, we were doing the opposite. You know, I would always tell anybody in business, play up your weight. What you think is a weakness, it's not, it's your strength. To where that first year we did about 30 pies. By the time we sold the lab, we were doing 500, 600 pies. Yeah, it was wow. crazy because it, it would be a month long of giving out pies. So much so that when we announced to the medical community where we're selling, uh, doctors what were about calling. The pies? Yeah, doctors were calling and saying, but what about my pie? <laughs> and so to add into it another flavor and people in the communities where we had several labs uh, around mm -hmm. in um, Northern California, San Francisco, and even in LA, they got to know us. And they knew mm. it was a mom and pop operation, but you know what? They liked that because their yeah. sample wasn't going to get lost and all of those things. So you play up those strengths and we were uh, very uh, benevolent and did a lot of discount work for people who had no insurance or very mm. little insurance. So, but that's all God too, right? That's yeah. how you, you play this game of business and Christianity. You just show God in everything you do. That's so good. You mentioned this. You said that, you know, there were definitely some problems in building or, or as you're growing the business. There always are. I mean, you can't you can't build and grow a business without hitting some valleys and some things like that. I would love if you guys would be willing to tell a story or share a story of a time you guys were facing a problem and God showed up with a solution that only he can do. Wow. Um, yeah, there's several. I'll, I'll, one of them was one of our big competitors came into town um, and they they had picked up a major contract. It was actually a, a Cigna healthcare contract, which was a, probably 30% of our business. So they were, it, was, it was Smith Klein at the time and they ended up signing a regional contract, which meant we couldn't see Smith Klein patients anymore and was a huge hit. I mean, so 30% of our business in, in, at least in one, in, uh, the area in, in around Sacramento just, just went out the door and uh, that was a big hit. And so they, they came in, they set up some, you know, draw stations, which again, took other patients away from us. And that we, we managed to survive for several months, maybe it was a year. And then I got a notice that Smith Klein had forgotten to renew their lease at this, at a medical <laughs> office building. And the, land, the landlord, the landlord didn't like Smith Klein. I, you know, that, that was between him and them, but, but right, he, right. he would not renew the lease. When their lease went out, he wouldn't renew it. So all of a sudden, one of our major competitors was, was in a bind. And so they, they, I called him, I called the local um, regional manager and I said, Hey, I know you guys are in a bind. I said, I'll take your patients. I won't charge you anything. I know you've got it. You under contract, you have to provide a place for these patients to get their blood drawn. Send your patients to me. I'll draw their blood. I'll send you all the work until you guys can figure it out. So we did that for, for 30 days and 30 days rolled into 60. And I finally called him and I said, you know, I got a, 
you know, I was trying to help you out. I just need to know, I can't do this forever, but where are you? And he said, well, this went all the way back to corporate and we've decided to just give you the business. So, <laughs> so they, they created a carve out for us. So all the business that we lost, we got back. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and I think the medical community in, in Folsom just kind of realized that, you know, we, we'd done a compassionate thing. And we ended up picking up more business than than just the 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 Cigna business that we had before. So that that's just one example. You know, again, it goes back to how do you bring your faith into the workplace? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they were a competitor, but you know, I knew they were in a pinch, and so we tried to help them out, and it it, it turned it worked out. Well, there's a theme I'm seeing inside of your lives. You guys probably recognize, but I'm going to point it out because I want you to talk a little bit more about it. I mean, you guys pies and, um, you know, acting, acting compassionately towards a big corporate competitor. And then even what you're doing with sacred selections and the adoption area and that entire is all about relationship, which is what Jesus was right. about, was yeah. about relationship, oh. put relationship first yeah. and God will take care of everything else. And I, I'd love for you guys to talk a little bit more about that because that DNA, I see it running all through you, but sometimes in our world today, it's e it's, easy to get distracted by thinking that relationships are a distraction, not an investment. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, you have to keep those relationships going on because you never know where that's going to lead you. And um, mm. through those relationships, a lot of doors, a lot of introductions to doctors that we couldn't get into because we had been kind to the patient because they didn't have insurance at the time or whatever. And, you know, it, that means something in medicine, which can get really cutthroat. And I understand the reasons why, um, but I don't agree with it. Um, you know, it leaves little wiggle room or so doctors think it's little wiggle room to be benevolent and be compassionate. But when you can, boy, the doors that open up for you and the mm -hmm. things that happen for you that are um, really, really wonderful. Um, one of them I'm, I'm thinking of is a banking one where uh, somehow, you know, we lived up in Northern California. And so the Napa Valley wasn't far from us. And on our uh, credit card account, we were just getting every month, like thousands of dollars of money. It was coming into our account. From a winery <laughs> where, the, where the bank had crisscrossed our accounts. Oh. So it was being deposited into our, so I would go to the, to the bank every month and I go, listen, it's happening again. You know, there would be like 10, 15, $20,000. Now we needed that money, but it wasn't ours. Right. Yeah, and, right. but from that came an appreciation and an alertness from the bank, um, the tellers and vice president to where, when people, there was a check cashing ring that was going around where they would, um, tell these young girls, you know, if you go in and cash it and get the money, We'll split whatever, 20%, 30%. And they caught several of those saying, this looks funny. Dana and David don't do that. So it's it's that oh, kind of a backdoor relationship because we stood up and said, this money isn't ours, that they felt compelled to fight for us. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, we probably wouldn't have been out that money, but it was thousands of dollars that these girls were cashing in checks. And it was Wells Fargo, by the way, just give Wells Fargo a shout out too. Yeah. One thing, you know, there's a couple things that come to mind on that question. Number one, we really live in a transactional society. 
And, and anything that you can do to build a relationship with someone, you're, you're going to stand out. I mean, there, that's, that is an opportunity to shine a light and distinguish yourself. It's just build a real relationship with someone. In business, one of the things that I, I, you know, I told myself and I told our staff is never in, in a business relationship, never let that relationship come down to nothing but money. Yes. Yes. Mm. Because if there's nothing there beyond, beyond the best or the lowest price, then you're always going to be vulnerable to a competitor to come in that'll do it for a nickel less. If, if mm. there's nothing more to your relationship than money, you're always going to be playing defense. And, yeah. you know, we, one of our philosophies, I, I told our, you know, our staff and I told our sales team is never knowingly give a client a reason to even talk to a competitor because doctors are busy people. And if they're happy with your services, they're not, there's no reason for them to take their time to talk to a competitor. But if they're not happy with your services and a competitor walks in and say, yeah, send him in. So, so that, that's just something to think about is the, the investment in value added relationships. Mm. But I can't tell Mm. you how many times, you know, our paycheck, so to speak, came through the mail because it was insurance companies reimbursing us. Mm. So we would always have 30, 60, 90 day lag time from when services were rendered. And every time there would be payroll and David would say, okay, we need to get, it would would be like $5,433.98. I would go to our mailbox and open it up and total up the tip. And they would always be almost to the penny, almost (laughs) to the penny what we needed. So I started calling our lab, the mana lab, you know, the mana (laughs) you had every day, you had just enough, you know, you couldn't have any for the next day. And so that trained us in a very real, uh, visceral way. You know, God's going to supply. You just do the work, do the work. You know, yeah. Focus then, on focus on what you can what you can control, yeah. what you need, what you know you need to do. And then God supplies, and you'll be fine. And it's helped us for these now years that we're facing. Like we're okay, you know. Whatever yeah. happens, happens. God's going to take care of us. It'll come out of we've, somewhere. <laughs> we've got about five. We've got about ten minutes left, but about five minutes that I, I want to kind of focus on your interview. And I've got one question I want to ask you, but I'm, I'm giving you that time parameter because I feel like we could probably spend twenty minutes on it. So I want to, but um. Having had your daughter, Nicole, on the show, seeing what an incredible woman that she is, I do have a question. Knowing knowing as a business owner who has children um, and knowing how important relationships were you, tell us, if you can, a quick story, maybe just about what you learned about investing in family relationship and maybe even because I've messed it up. I imagine maybe you kind of messed up focused on kind of keeping the lights on. Sometimes we forget about the relationship with the people that sit across the table from us and share a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what but you I know say, that you never, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, share a meal. That's it. You know, I was raised with the family all came together and with the lab, David would be there all hours of night, but we would go down and have dinner with him. And sometimes really? I would have to hand feed him because he was gloved <laughs> up and he couldn't touch the food. 
but we were together. Now the kids tell, you know, stories about how horrible it was, you know, to <laughs> eat in the EKG room and all of that, but they learned. <laughs> They're that, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. They have some yeah. great, you know, and, and they worked for us too. So we put them to work and they wanted to work. And I think that's where both of them, our son mm. is equally owns his own business and they both are very uh, competent business people and they understand the hard. Uh, and that's yeah. what we were training them to do, but, and they didn't like it at the time, yeah. <laughs> but you know, and that what God says, you're not going to like it at the time. I mean, it really was, I mean, the short story is it was a family business. Yeah. So everybody yeah. in the family worked. I mean, Everything. You know, Nicole's has always been, I mean, I always say Nicole was born to boss. I mean, yeah, she just, she was, she, she was always <laughs> a leader. I mean, just, just always self-confident, very intuitive with people. You know, she really does have an amazing skill set. And so when she was 14, she would be registering patients. Yeah. You know, when she mm. got, when work. she got back from college, she was actually calling doctors, telling them they need to pay their bills, you know? <laughs> Um, so she, you know, she was a very savvy person with business and, you know, even though they complain about it, you know, having to work after school and on sometimes on weekends, they're absorbing all that. Mm. It, it, yeah. It's an immersive experience. And so, mm. I mean, I think another thing is just the work ethic, you know, yeah. how yeah. to, how to take care of customers, how to deal with staff, you know, how to hang, how to handle you know, hard conversations and keep your mm -hmm. cool. Um, so those are all things that I think for both of our kids, they, they, they didn't enjoy it at the time, but you show them the positive things. Again, I, I'm coming back about bringing, bringing your faith into the workplace and, and the qualities, we're not bringing religion into the workplace. We're bringing then, the yep. characteristics of the of kingdom people into the workplace and that, that will shine. And they knew that, you know, he might go in early on a Sunday morning that we were going to swing by the lab and pick him up and take him to church. And we were, we were always going to church. It's like, okay, stop, we're going. And so that didn't, that didn't stop. Mm. And I remember one of our daily Bible readings when our daughter was very small and just started to reading and she was, we were in Genesis and, you know, all of the, all of the names. And when it came to the Hivites, she goes and the HIVites. So that came from her lab background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So that is so funny. Blended that right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, as we as we kind of get to the end, we're gonna get we're getting to my favorite question, which I want to ask both of you. So as you've been building this legacy, not only through your children, through Sacred Selections, and everything like that. If you look, if you can look out 100 years, hmm. what is it that you hope that your family and the people that you've impacted remember about you? Wow. That's a really good question. And I think about it a lot. And I think hmm. that it's been my passion for all of these children to be in godly Christian homes. And I've said mm -hmm. this many times, I really feel like as the generations go down, one of these secret selections children is going to help one of my mm. great great grandchildren and make them bring them back to the lord or something was sown in all of this so yeah. i'm always fighting for more children more children more children because i know the way god works he'll bring it back so that's my yeah. hundred year plan i 
Yeah, and I love that question. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think right now, where we're at now, we're still counting the seeds in an apple, but mm -hmm. we'll never be able to count how many apples are in the seeds mm -hmm. that, that have been planted, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but I, but we know just from history that when, when 472 children come into a, a good, loving Christian home, you don't know the details, but yeah. you know, better things are going to happen. And so that, That's you know, right. again, we, we just kind of know that, that we won't be around. People may not remember who we are, but the, the wake that we leave behind will be significant. Mm. So if someone wants to get in touch with you guys, know more about sacred selections, tell everyone how to kind of get more information about the work that you guys are doing there. Yeah, we have a website, sacredselections.org, and there's a lot of information there. If you have questions, you can just go info at sacredselections.org, and we'll be happy to answer your questions. You know, our, like I said, we're, we're not an agency. We're a, we're a financial institution, and, and we serve, we have grants that serves a, a kind of a narrow segment of, of a market. So there's, okay. there's criteria for who we can give grants to. But again, even in that small segment, we haven't even scratched the surface of the people that we can help. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, so everyone, I'm going to encourage you to go reach out. What Sacred Selections is doing, I've looked into this. I mean, it's you need to know more about what they're doing, just powerful and their heart. Um, yeah, this is just something you need to more know more about. So, David and Dana, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Eric. Yeah, Corey, it's been coming. a it's been pleasure. We're on our way to Houston, where we're going to have a big fundraiser, and they're going to auction off a real life dinosaur tooth. How about that? So, oh my goodness! We're wow! Excited. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Everyone, thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, everyone here in my audience, you know, I run an invitation-only program that helps families grow and protect generational abundance for at least four generations. That's 100 years. Yeah. And we do that by exposing widespread planning illusions and minimizing the destruction of wealth be during your lifetime and that it happens beyond. And I've got several tips and examples that can help you grow your wealth, grow your abundance by discovering that you don't need another business or financial strategy. What you need is to acknowledge that what you do in your living room matters more than what you do in any conference or any boardroom. So please, please connect with us at kingdomroi.org for more information. It's been so good to be with you again. We look forward to being with you again next episode. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for joining me for the Kingdom ROI Return on Intention podcast. If you're a business owner or a family who recognizes that what you're doing in your family's living room matters more than what you do in the boardroom or advisors' conference rooms, you're open to sharing the ups and downs of the journey and would like to be a guest on the show, then I'd like to invite you to apply by visiting our website, www.kingdomroi.org. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.kingdomroi.org, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Kingdom ROI Strategist, signing off. Until next time.